Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Kale and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody, to the Veteran Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Carter. Uh, with me, as always, is Cynthia. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Hey there. How was your week? My week was awesome. It's just been uh, a slow, you know, steady week, hanging out with the kids, getting ready for the change of season. Nice. Yeah, we have we have sun in, in Portland, which is uh, weird to me in, in December, but I'll take it. Um, welcome, everybody. If, you've, if this is the first time you've ever heard our podcast, welcome. We're excited that you're here. Every week we get to talk to these amazing founders who have one little extra thing on their resume and that's service to our country. And this week, we're super excited because we get to talk to Adam Weiss, Revolver Lifestyle. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how's it going, guys? Living. Pleasure to have um, pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank li- you for having me. Appreciate you you taking the time to to speak with us. Really excited to hear about not only Revolver Lifestyle but also your 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 platform Nomad and the fact that you're in Barcelona, Spain right now. It's just I I love the fact that we can do these remotely. Yeah, this is the times that we live in, right? And that's part of the reason what led me to my project the idea yeah is because of the technology and the mindset of people i love it's, it it's uh not it's not closed anymore everything's open i love it i we we want to hear all about that but first you know the the reason we have this podcast is cuz we really want to learn more about veterans and you happen to be one and you got into the marines talk about a little bit about your decision to go into the marines well yeah um that decision came what 2000 Three, I started thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> I was like 21 and my godfather had passed away oh, man. and he was in the Navy and I saw like his funeral and I was like, this was like how I would like to be last remembered. Right. Um, so that was like one thought of just having that initial thought of going into the military. Yeah. But then, uh, as a kid, I always wanted to actually be a spy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be honest with you. And, um, I was like, this is probably the best way to get to this, uh, to this, um, uh, career path, I guess you can call it. Nice. And, but then to be honest with you, the real, uh, like the one, one that just drove it home was uh, 9-11. Um, I had thought I had lost my father. Um, he worked in, or not, he worked in Wall Street, um, but not as a trader, but he just worked in Wall Street. Yeah. And I couldn't get in contact with him that day. And just something about that, that, that moment always resonated with me. And oh, I just, I don't want to say I was vengeful, sure. um, but I just, I just feel as though that was something that was like, I don't want this to happen again, you know? Right. And I want to be a part of the solution, not the problem type of thing. So when you, when you got into the Marines, what did you, what did you want to do? What, what did you want your job to be when you got there? Yeah. So, um, when I got into the Marine Corps, um, I was deployed like a year later. Um, so I didn't have that much time to, to uh, research too much about it. Yeah. Um, but what uh, I guess what was thought, sought uh, a- after uh, while I was in Iraq was uh, counterintelligence. And I guess I was kind of uh, indirectly um, recruited uh, to become uh, counterintelligence. Um, they were trying to sell me on um, re-enlisting while I was out there. And it was something that, like I told you, I I wanted to be a spy growing up. So um, this was my opportunity, right, Uh, to to fulfill like my 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 dream uh, at at the time. Um, But I didn't actually pull the trigger. Uh, My family, one of the things they told me before I I left and went out there, they're like, don't go out there being a hero. Just uh, make sure you come home. Mm. You don't do anything crazy because they know they know me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so 
I didn't end up actually re-enlisting and signing up and fulfilling that dream. But uh, And I think that was one of the things I can say when I look back is maybe something that I might have regretted. Really? Why is that? Because, like I said, um, I... One of the reasons why I joined the Marine Corps was because uh, I didn't want to be the guy at the end of the bar when I'm like 50, 60, uh, and I had like the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Yeah. Um, did you feel like, like you and fulfilled? I younger guy. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did Did you feel like you fulfilled what you wanted to do initially, just enlisting and getting into the Marine Corps? Well, yeah, that was just a major thing in the beginning. Uh, just uh, going through boot camp um, was was a uh, fulfillment uh, for me just this wear that eagle globe and anchor and say that I'm a Marine and walk uh, and get on those yellow steps. Uh, if anyone knows um, that, that, that alone was uh, a dream fulfilled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a major accomplishment. And I, you know, I, I was in the Navy, so I, I don't know the, I think the fraternal thing that, that makes a Marine a Marine is that, that connection, that's that sense of accomplishment that you've achieved something bigger than you. And I think that's what makes the Marine Corps sort of different than anything else that's out there that really separates it from the other branches is that mm -hmm. that fraternal connection is stronger than, than any other branch, in my opinion. And it's funny you say that um, literally, uh, what, 20 minutes uh, prior to this conversation, uh, my gunnery sergeant, uh, when I was over in Iraq, I had reached out to me on LinkedIn wow. and uh, just congratulated me on a, a job, um, an experience that I listed on LinkedIn that I just uh, that I am uh, the founder and CEO of Revolver Lifestyle. Yeah. And he had reached out to me. So it's funny that you said that. And I haven't spoken to him ah, in like 15 years. Wow. <laughs> Wow. It's definitely yeah, it's a family. Like, yeah, no, it is. It's, yeah, definitely say, it's just like when you, it's just like family. Like you said, it's just like family. You haven't seen mm -hmm. them in a while, but when you see them, it's just like, you know, you, you pick right back up then last week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. What about, what about the process within the Marines surprised you at all? Did anything, you know, going through boot camp or, or being deployed or, or being within the, you know, the Marines itself, was there anything that, that you didn't expect that happened? Hello, Senega? Yeah, I've just asked, if, was there something you didn't expect through that whole process, being oh. a Marine? Yeah, um, to be honest with you, uh, when I was in boot camp, I thought it was going to be a, a lot more aggressive oh, okay. uh, as far as like the the physical contact between you and the, and the instructor. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because I guess to prepare myself, Itself, not just physically, but mentally. I just watched a whole bunch of uh, movies about boot camp. I was going to say, like, do yeah. not watch movies. Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> full Metal Jacket. Yeah, exactly. Full Metal Jacket. You did, didn't I was you? trying to mentally prepare myself. That's too funny. <laughs> and that's what I was going in there. But you know what they say? They say expect for the uh, prepare. Yeah. Prepare for the worst and expect the best or whatever. That's that's right. funny. Yeah, I mean I watched an officer and a gentleman. I was very I was just very disappointed yeah, to <laughs> Navy boot camp yeah, and I didn't have my a woman that I had to go share and you know, go <laughs> go rescue out of a of a plant. It was just so disappointing. <laughs> what what was your uh, what was your MO? What did you what was your rank or or what did you do? Uh you you said you were out you deployed, but uh it, what else did you do while you were there? Um, so we did convoy security while we were, uh, deployed, but then, um, uh, when I got, when I finished my ASVABs, they told me that I have to go and do admin. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I was like, why? They're like, uh, well, if you want to go at this time, th this is the, the MOS that they, that they want, that they will assign to you in order for you to go at this time. Cause I want to go right away and they said the only way for me to go is if i sign up as this mos right um so, so but when i after you you're in and you learn everything is negotiable so i could i didn't have to but that's what the recruiters need to fill in their i guess quota yeah uh, at that time so, so they definitely uh sold me and gained me on that but it could have been worse right oh <laughs> 
Yeah, it could have been much worse. I think I think there's a lot of people that have those stories of like a recruiter telling you one thing and then you get out to wherever it is and then you're just like, why did we do it this way? I could have been could have been done so much easier if we did it this way. But like for me, I when I got in, I wanted to be an illustrated draftsman, but they don't have school for that. So you had to strike in the Navy, which means you're a, a deck seaman, basically infantry in the Navy. Yeah. And so I had to go chip, oh, okay. chip paint and and do all these crazy things. The easier route would have been he put me into something that's an easy rate, and then I could have spent time working on my stuff for Illustrated Dressman. So it, it soured me on the, the my experience, and I couldn't wait to get out. Was that similar to your experience? Like, because you recognized the recruiter could have made this easier, it, it completely soured you on your experience? No, not at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um I actually had a follow-up to what you said about you being an illustrator and then become a fireman. I, I had like a, a little Marine Corps moment. I was like, you can paint the blood. Um, you can paint the, a picture with the blood of your enemies and yeah. illustrate that way. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't do that. I just, uh, yeah. it's, it's Yep, he's a Marine. He passed the litmus test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was That's literally awesome. the first thing that came to my head when you said uh, artist and uh, infantry. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I had, to, I had to do the paint locker. I had to paint the stuff on the paint locker. Can you believe that? But anyway, uh, so <laughs> when, when did you know you were going to get out? Like what, what, when you made that decision, this is it for me. I'm ready to go. When, when was that? And, and do you remember where you were? Yeah, um, I, we were actually back in um, back here in Conus. Um, and I was actually thinking about going back and getting my degree, yeah. uh, my undergrad, because I had left actually uh, my sophomore year um, when I was going to do my undergrad at St. Peter's University for marketing. Nice. And at that time, I was drinking, partying. I had a girlfriend full-time. I had a job full-time. I was going to school full-time. I was partying full-time, and I was just burning myself out. And then i decided to join um but then i like again i wanted to accomplish and what i started yeah so uh when we came back i decided to um go back to university and finish my degree nice and what did what uh what did you end up getting Uh, i got a bachelor's in uh, marketing uh at st peter's university it took me another It took me another four years to finish uh, two years uh, when I came back uh, because we I did a bunch of like study abroad courses that I only did it just because the 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 tuition assistance was going to pay for it. Nice. And uh, but I never passed the, the classes. I never did any of the work. <laughs> Because you're too busy partying full time. That's right, full time yeah, partying. Exactly. <laughs> it's a job. I, I was in uh, uh, London, Edinburgh, uh, oh, Glasgow, um, Barcelona. It was my first time going to Barcelona, um, and and somewhere else. But yeah, so I didn't end up taking. I mean, passing those classes, obviously. But so that prolonged my my graduation a little bit more. Yeah. But I did eventually graduate though. What was your when you so you you focused on marketing and I noticed on your LinkedIn you have a marketing background. What of what what about marketing was appealing to you? Yeah, uh, well, the people aspect. Right yeah. um, when I first did my uh, well went in to do my undergrad, I uh, was doing psychology, but then I realized I had to do so much other <laughs> schooling afterwards in order to be successful in it. So uh, I was like, you know what? I'm good, always was good at sales. So uh, I think business and uh, psychology, marketing, right? Um, that's just basically uh, learning people's uh, behaviors and learning how to best provide them um, the solutions to their problems. It all so, it all works hand in hand, to be honest. And, and um, this is the first time we're speaking, but my background is also communications and marketing and um, specifically multimedia production. So it's like digital production. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I spent 15 years as a clinical social worker. So it, you really use those skills to understand how people think and how people behave. And, you know, um, it really works together. I'm interested in like when you graduated, 
and you're looking for your first, you know, your major civilian job and um, you've gotten out of the Marine Corps. What was that experience like for you? Oh, man, that was horrible because I I graduated um, during, um, I guess you can call it the the housing recession mm-hmm. in 2008, 2009. So I was out there competing with people that were working for five plus 10 years um, going after entry-level jobs that I should be going after, right? Yeah. Um, so, so was, to be honest with you, I was like, I, I'm a United States Marine. I'm a United, uh, I'm a veteran. I just got my my undergrad. Like, I'm, I'm going out here and I'm going to do it, right? I, I got all the check, check, checks, and, and then this happens. But uh, as they say, you got to persevere, right? Um, I didn't crumble up and and say and give up. I decided to... This is where the Marine Corps comes in, right? You got to persevere. Yeah. Um, super Gumby, as they say. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so you got to adjust, always be flexible. So I um, decided to just do a bunch of internships. I was like, okay, I'm competing against people that have experience. Um, so I have to get experience, right? So I uh, went back to school uh, because the experience that I was looking for specifically, especially in marketing, um, it's it's all about who you worked with and, and where you worked at. Uh, so if you worked on big clients, then that's uh, more desirable. If you work at a big company, it's more desirable. Because you know, that means you've gone through um, different uh, scenarios um, and you can um, find your way through it, whatever, right? So I went back to school and I did a, uh, I went to NYU's uh, certificate program for advertising. And I passed the, my, I, I didn't party this time. <laughs> and I actually started <laughs> passing my classes. <laughs> and I uh, got uh, at least uh, to a, a, a being above average in order to qualify for their internship program. And I chose them because I saw that um, where I wanted to work at, um, which was uh, NBC and Madison Square Garden, I saw that they were they hired uh, from this school traditionally. So, so I made sure I got in. Got in. I was real. I did real well. Got uh, references, and I applied for these internships at at Madison Square Garden and NBC, and I ended up getting both of them. which I I didn't think it was going to. So I had to, I did both of them. I I didn't, I I told them, they asked me what my hours of availability were and if I was doing anything else. And I said, yes. And they, they actually allowed me to work uh, two and a half um, days out of the week uh, at Madison Gardening and then two and a half days out of the week at NBC. So I would leave Madison Gardening at uh what's it 34th street and then i would have to commute all the way up to 50 uh what's it 55th street um right afterwards um <laughs> to, to do nbc and then go to night classes uh at, at nyu uh because i was doing night classes uh, to finish up the, the certificate program at nyu wow. and then had to commute all the way back to jersey and then do it all over again. <laughs> Good. Yeah, girl. that area is that's not, the area is not easy to live in. <laughs> I was there for school. Yeah. So we well, it's easy in the fact that there's a lot of transportation. That's the only exactly part of it. right. Yeah, right. So when when you uh, when you had these jobs and stuff, what you you talked a little bit about it before being super gumby, which I love that that phrase, by the way, I, I need to find a way to use that in every conversation I ever have. But <laughs> what, 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 what did you learn from, from those experiences that you took away that, that led you to the next thing you were working on? Yeah. If you, if you really want something, you just got to go and do it. Yeah. You know, don't give yourself any excuses. Oh, sorry. Nope. But it's yeah, a podcast. that's the bottom line. It. Is, yeah. uh, it's uh, just because I could have just been like, ah, oh, it's, the recession and, and this and that and just felt sorry for myself and then go work at Home Depot because they're <laughs> always hiring veterans. Yeah. Um, but but that wasn't me. Um, so I, like I said, I told myself this is what I wanted to do and that's what I'm going to go do. If I set it out, what I always try to do is hold myself accountable. If I set it out 
if I said it out loud and I, someone heard me, that means I have to go do it yeah, because yeah. I want to be a man of my word. And that's what I pride, pride on as uh, saying, doing what I say and uh, saying what I do. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the people that supported you in this journey. You know, it probably wasn't very easy for you to get out of the Marine Corps, (laughs) transition out, suddenly be back in school, having to redo those classes, you know, and then fighting. It's like you're swimming upstream in New York City, like you're fighting with such good talent and especially in the marketing field, marketing, communications, arts. um, You're there's just so much talent in New York City. Like who are the main people in your life at that point? that really drove it home for you to finish uh, what you started? Well, it was not about driving it home for me to finish. It was just more about being there um, when I did maybe have those moments of like, oh man, now I have to go do this. And like, <laughs> I had all these, um, like you said, these, these obstacles, mm-hmm. but it's for me, it was always my family um, specifically uh, more my my cousin Lerlin. Um, she she actually helped raise me. She came um, from Belize, which is where my family is uh, originally from. Uh, my mom and she helped raise me, and she was just always she was, was always there for me. Like I would do my uh, my my course at NYU, and I would have to come up with these campaigns, these ad campaigns, and I was literally in my room drinking a bottle of uh, Glenn Le- Glenn Fittich 12 years <laughs> 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 and I was trying to get my creative juices going and I was uh just running things by her just rambling things and she, she would just support me and just like she understood where I was coming from and what I was trying to accomplish and and uh, she just understood me and then never judged me and I think that was the one of the main things that I loved about her is that she just never judged me. She was just genuinely um, interested in my success. That's great. It's great to have somebody like that in your life that can help connect dots and call you on your BS and make sure that you're you're on the right track. So it's good that you had that. And I think that a lot of people you know need to seek that, and I don't think a lot enough uh, people do. Um, we've been talking to Adam Weiss of Revolver Lifestyle. Here on the Veteran Founder Podcast, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And we're back. We've been talking to Adam Weiss from Revolver Lifestyle here on the Veteran Founder Podcast. Adam, we were just talking about your career in marketing, and I want to start to think about like this business that you've built. It's really cool, and I and I want to talk about like why why you felt like this needed to exist. Why was this the right time for Revolver Lifestyle to exist? And and share with us a little bit about what it is. Yeah. Um, so back to the struggle in New York City. <laughs> I finally got to New York City, and I uh, was uh, I want to say making a name for myself, but I was uh, I knew some people, and I ended up um, working on some pretty big campaigns at CBS uh, Interactive, um, and I was working with a lot of big ad agencies as well. And what I found uh, while I was there, which was back in 2016, 2017, um, I was working with uh, some clients <laughs> in December while I'm traveling through the you know, winters in New York. Um, you're putting on your, your nice shoes and you're, you're hustling to New York <laughs> to get to the office. Yeah. Um, just so I can talk to these people that are handling like, three, two million dollars uh, of my ad budget. And they're in Joshua Tree on a spa or 
hiking in <laughs> hiking in the Hollywood Hills, oh, and man. they're and they're just answering emails on their phone and just on their laptop anywhere in the world. And I was like, "There's something wrong here." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hustle my butt uh, to get to uh, New York City to work at this big ad agency to to go through the winters and all this to to now work with people that are living an even better lifestyle that i that i was trying to uh to to uh, accomplish yeah so i started uh getting a little envious and i said but i started doing a little research as well um and i saw that uh remote work telework um was becoming was growing um uh, significantly uh, in the past in those past few years it grew uh exponentially i forgot how many percentage when i saw the research on census so i did some my marketing research uh hat came on and i just did some research on uh remote work and then i started seeing instagram and seeing all this um these uh travel influencers um promoting like this uh digital nomad lifestyle so i just started putting two and two together and I wanted to try to live this lifestyle myself, right? Because it, it just looks so attractive. And I know that I wasn't the only one that felt this way either, right? We had the the whole FOMO movement started <laughs> happening at that time as well. Um, so I asked my uh, employer or my supervisor at the time to work remotely. They allowed me to work uh, from home on a Friday. And so I started thinking, my house, like, okay, great, I'm going to I'm going to New York. I'm going to go straight to uh, JFK or to go straight to um, the bus station. I'm just going to end up going um, to all these places. I had all these big plans to go do all these things. Um, on After a Thursday, I would end up working from a beach on Friday, Friday morning. Right. Um, but the actual story that happened was I had like this, uh, analysis paralysis because i was trying to organize my trip and then organize my workload and uh, there was all these uh, things that were just it was overwhelming it just made you so anxious that i ended up not doing any of it interesting so i to be honest with you i ended up going back to the office so i was like okay this is there's 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 an opportunity here right so there's this uh, this thing that i wanted but then there is this obstacle in front of it. So, but this is, this thing is, I know is attractive to the mass, the mass market as sure. well. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have these same pain points that I had as well. So I started, um, building, uh, I had a friend that I, that I grew up with that was, uh, he was like a network engineer. He wasn't really, uh, like a developer, but he had a developer friend. And I started talking to them and I told them what I was looking to do. I told, told them the, the target audience that we're looking to uh, build a solution for. And uh, I came up with an, an sort of an MVP where that you would be able to list uh, your, your, all your different experiences um, as like an inspiration for others. It's almost like a social network again. Um, combining uh, this app medium and Instagram, but just uh, having more uh, immersive uh, digital content where you can then actually try to uh, book these experiences uh, that are on the app, right? Because uh, that's the only thing that was missing from, I felt Instagram was you go there for inspiration, but you can't it's like, okay, how the hell do I do this cool thing that this person just posted about? Right. I want to go do that. Now, how the hell do I go do that? Um, there, there was a disconnect there. So um, I thought of like, okay, how can we solve that problem? And I was working with a developer instead of, so these are the, the lessons that I've learned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I was working with a developer first, which is was the wrong path. Um, because I trying to explain to them what I'm looking to do. They, they actually built exactly what I was looking for, which is not sometimes the best thing, um, to do, um, because there's maybe UX problems and I didn't know anything about UX at the time. 
This is back in 2006, 2018. Yeah. So needless to say, I built uh, two different versions of this this concierge type of uh, um, app where you get inspiration from the content and then you can then actually go and and book it. But you don't have to book it yourself. You can use a concierge to book it. Huh. Um, so needless to say, I built this thing and I introduced it to some people. And the one thing that I <laughs> that I got was this doesn't look good. This is I can't use this. I don't. I, I, I like the concept. I get it, but it's not usable. Right. 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 So um, that's when I was like, okay, at least I know that I'm on the right track. I'm building something, um, and people want to use. I just have to try to get them to use it. <laughs> so um, I went back to uh, did my MBA to actually learn how to build products and build a business um, because I was just going off of my like, okay, I'm, I'm a Marine. I'm a college graduate. I worked in New York city. It's like, my ego was like, I can do this. Yeah. Right? And there's nothing. Right. I build campaigns for Apple and Samsung and advertising campaigns, but it's completely different when you're trying to solve problems for like a mass, a mass, um, a mass amount of people. And um, so, yeah, so I, I decided to take it more seriously and I went and I did my MBA, um, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to just do uh, an MBA here in the States because if I'm going to build a global product, I wanted to go, go overseas. And um, uh, I had my, uh, what is it? Um, Post 11 GI Bill mm-hmm. uh, benefit. And I did a little research on there and I found a school that was overseas in Spain, um, in Barcelona specifically, that's willing to take my, my GI bill. Really? Post on 11 GI bill benefit. Yeah. A school out in Barcelona taking an American GI bill. Yeah. That that seems like it's difficult to find. Well, yeah. (laughs) Just uh, trying to get a job in New York City during the recession with no experience is a hard thing to find. This is true. Like I said, I said I wanted to do it and I I found it. I found a way to do it. Love it. Right. Um, So, yeah. So I found this school and it was like literally the best thing that happened to me because I learned a lot about um, the process. Right. That was the one thing that I didn't have was process. Right. Hmm. Um, So I learned about design thinking by, by uh, building empathy with your with your users, um, so that was like my first step, right? So I actually started living in hostels and co living spaces uh, where uh, my target audience actually was living or um, staying at, and I just started communicating with them and learning from them and figuring out what their real pain points were, right? Um, I think we call that eating our own dog food. <laughs> Eating our dumb dog food, okay. <laughs> you're basically you're basically living the life so you understand more about what it is that you're doing, right? So when I was at Twilio, we used to call it uh, wearing the customer shoes. Yeah. And we did yeah. it to the point where it's kind of overblown, but I kind of like it because I'm a, a Chuck Taylor fan. But we would have Chuck Taylors with the with the Twilio logo on it, and then we would give it to customers. It was just a really cool way to, you know, connect with customers. So I like the way that awesome. you described it, where you went out and you lived in hostels. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, it was wasn't fun at first uh, because I I didn't like the whole showering situation, even though I grew up in the, the Marine Corps. Yeah, <laughs> but I I grew out of like that whole like uh, sharing and slumming it and and things of that nature. Like I I got I was working in New York City, you know, so I had yeah. I felt a little. <laughs> I, I had a little taste of the good life for for a little while. Right? But at least you knew so what. It's just like making that adjustment again, right? I, yeah. I, I just had to like readjust my my myself. Semper Gumby once again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine though if you did that and you'd never gone through the Marines? Like, how hard would that have been for you to do something like that? I mean, I'm. There's I don't a lot think of people... I would. That's the thing. I don't think I would have done that. That's so funny. Had I not gone through them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You're definitely stretched, stretched beyond <laughs> what you thought you were able to do, you know, stretched again to start your own business. And then and then admitting failure is not easy for founders. Um, being able to 
kind of go back and go, well, okay, we created this product and it's a prototype, but it's really not that usable. Um, so let me just step in the shoes of what it would be like for somebody traveling, you know, and somebody that is living on a budget that, you know, the majority of people who are traveling are either between the early ages of like 18 to 25, or you've got like retirees, people that are working age, it's really hard to travel and be able to work unless they're traveling for work. So, um, you know, figuring out your user base, like, did you, did you come up with a plan to, advertise to a specific kind of audience for your, for your product? Yeah. Um, so we have, we're still in the development stage, um, but I, for the advertising part um, of it, uh, it's going to be all around partnerships, right? Um, like I said, I came from um, working in uh, media in New York and what, what I found, it's all about partnerships there. Um, so I want to take that same mindset into when I'm building, it's not about uh, for me just the uh, direct direct response ads and throwing ads on uh, billboards on Facebook and things of that nature. Uh, for me, what I wanted to do was to work with companies that have uh, full remote work teams, right? So I wanted to pr- build them this product um, that they can then introduce to their to their employee base as their work life balance well being platform. Right. So because uh, that's one of the main things uh, actually is a big theme right now in, in companies is uh, this well-being. They're actually pointing well-being officers um, and things of that nature. Uh, so there is a lot of investment um, going into this this uh, movement. And so I want to provide them a tool um, to provide to their remote work teams um, that will allow them to. Uh, conveniently uh, book travel experiences and manage their productivity uh, tasks in in one place. So um, so that was going to be my launch strategy, um, working with these uh, companies and also working with uh, universities that have um, study abroad, like major study abroad programs as well, uh, because yeah. students have the same the same needs as well, where they need, uh, they, they're going, they chose like this lifestyle to study abroad, to be able to work and also uh, have cultural experiences and grow, right? That's one of the drivers uh, of the digital nomad as well. So those, that was gonna be my, my way of uh, inexpensively um, targeting um, remote workers, millennial remote workers specifically, um, and then just, grow the user base from there and then um, uh, adjust. And what kind of what kind of resistance did you meet when you started talking to these companies about your platform? I mean, what, what kind of feedback were you getting? Yeah. So one of the, the one of the things that I because I, I went out there, I spoke to a company that spoke to a lot of people that want to work uh, with me on the project. But now they're like, OK, just build it. Um, so the pushback that I got so far is um, just build it and show it to me and and let me see it right um what you're saying is fantastic but um i need to see it now right and i need and in order to get it passed through the the the, the, the gatekeepers right um or so that's the main yeah. thing that i that i got pushed back for and how are you how are you adjusting to that are you you're building obviously but i mean yeah exactly what, <laughs> exactly what I'm doing. I'm yeah, yeah. but i mean what but now it's a matter of keeping up uh with them right sure um making sure that i'm still around and know that covid hasn't beaten us we're still we're still pushing through um yeah so just maintaining that that constant communication not constant but just um let them know that we're still around I want to take a step back for a second because before we got on the on the podcast and we started recording, we talked about the revolver lifestyle, and some people didn't understand what that meant as far as you know the the name and that they they thought it was something about guns. The no is the is the connection there the nomad with the nomad platform the revolver lifestyle is this that you're sort of revol- you're you're revolving around a different locations or yes exactly got thank it. you ding 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 <laughs> i got it see first see, second third to, see, try and that's why i was i was strongholding on the name because 
the people that I my target audience are, they understand it. Yeah. Because they 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 live it. Or travel you know? people. And, and, I, and I didn't want to just be on the nose about the product. I didn't want to say the nomad lifestyle or nomad this or wonderlust this because the the market was inundated with uh those those buzzwords Mm -hmm. and i wanted to come up with something that was a little more edgy and something that was um actually you can like personify like hashtag i am a revolver yeah you know um so and i think that sounded way cooler yeah no Uh, that's that's interesting so the nomad is a product of revolver lifestyle does that mean you're going to be developing other platforms other other products or is it just sort of leave it open that way yeah so um that was the idea because what the revolver lifestyle is is that we our, our goal is to make the digital nomad lifestyle um, more convenient and comfortable for everyone. Cause we want the, I believe that this lifestyle is going to be the, basically the lifestyle of the future where people are not, not, not everyone, but, um, the mass majority will be thinking about, okay, do I really need to spend 300,000 on a house and 50,000 on a car and be tied to this location for the rest of my life? Right. Uh, right. There's just a world out there that they just get inundated of seeing all these new cultural experiences. And and again, like this whole FOMO thing is like they they're like, OK, I want to go and see what what it's like to be climb Machu Picchu and go yeah. down to uh, Argentina and and uh, do eat uh, steak out there because the steak there is amazing. Right. Uh, just like living on the road and. And just uh, getting to know the locals and get just being more culturally diverse, um, and and I think that's this next generation. That's what they're all about. Um, they're open, like I was saying before. It's like all about openness now, um, and not being closed. Um, yeah, tell me a bit about about how the pandemic has either helped your product idea or set you back. I mean, it sounds like you guys are still producing. You're in the middle of, uh, of writing the code and implementing it. Um, how has, you know, people are working from home because they're forced to. And then now a lot of folks are thinking about, Hey, I can't travel like I used to because, you know, you're used to being in the office five days a week, right? And then you got to, you have a limited PTO. And when you take PTO, you've got to figure out what, how much can I cram in to a week? And now these big companies, these tech companies are going fully remote um, permanently. So okay. how how does that fit in with your product? It, it is the, my prediction accelerated 10 years um, because like I said, I I started on this path thinking about remote work and um and then i learned about digital nomad uh ism um and so this pandemic uh i don't want to say i don't speak ill but um i am sympathetic for the people that have uh that passed because of it but in a way it was a silver um silver lining for this for me at least was people's behaviors and and mindsets have changed um people are now thinking re reevaluating their values um like do i really need to have all these stuff and and live in the big city do can i just downsize a little bit and then be able to go and live uh in somewhere that's uh then where my dollars are actually uh spread out a little further mm-hmm. and uh start spending more on experiences rather than spending on stuff um you can see that the there's a big transition um san francisco right now yeah everyone's leaving there everyone's leaving the big cities right now moving out to the suburbs and going not suburbs but the more rural uh areas um there's a mass exodus uh from california to austin right now you know um in portland i think one of you guys are from portland yep yep yeah we're seeing a lot of people that's just that's just there in the states but uh everyone's thinking about going overseas as well I think you're onto um, something there because I, you know not only the the piece where young people are are reevaluating whether they need to be in big cities, but I think also you know there's data that suggests that young people aren't buying cars anymore, right? Like that yep. that's another data point. So I think you're you're onto something if you're just following the data about you know where where is this going? In the pandemic, I agree, accelerated those plans. I think that's just going to be something that we're going to see for the foreseeable future. That it's just going to be 
um, it's just going to change the way that we that we live and then, and we work as well. I, and, and it's funny because some people were saying, well, WeWork's, there's no way WeWork's going to survive this. Well, no, they're going to survive and maybe even thrive once we get on the other side of this. This is going to save WeWork, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, because now um, all these big offices um, or these big companies are going to be looking for satellite offices because yeah. they're, they're seeing now I don't need to have this big um, ac- um, asset or this uh, this uh, fixed cost of having yeah. a, a big office in the big city, right? Well, I mean, uh, so REI built this huge headquarters up here in the Pacific Northwest, spent nearly a billion on it, and it's up for sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. Um, what about what about in the in the lessons that you've learned along the way so far? I mean, I know you're still in the early stages of this, but what what, what are some mm-hmm. of the lessons that you've taken so far that you're like, I, I'm never going to screw that up again? Yeah, um, like I said, uh, the the major one was uh, the process, right? Um, and respecting the process. Uh, what I didn't have, and taking your ego out of things, um, and and just uh, do do the research, uh, get in there and uh, actually empathize with the people that you want to solve problems for. Don't think that you're, because you have that problem and it will be great for you to have this solution. This means that everyone else will. Um, and uh, the big thing that I, that I learned is that um, technology right now is more of a commodity. Um, I, I, I went in, this was back in 2017. I thought like, oh yeah, I need to have the best technology and, and all this but no it's uh technology is a commodity you can find engineers now um so what i what the value that i think um to any company is going to be now is uh ux design and actually uh going through the process of knowing your customer um so so i think that's one of the main major things that i've learned um through this process is how there's just design is more than just pretty colors and, and pretty lines on a piece of paper. Uh, design is about process and uh, empathy and, and really listening to your, to your customers and understanding what their pain points are and, and trying to find solutions for them. You just marketed me right there. I do UI UX design. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you're already speaking to me and, and everybody else that I work with. But you, you said something that really stood out to me. And you said um, you're investing in, you're trying to get people to look and focus at their priorities and their values because things have changed this year. You know, investing in experiences, not necessarily stuff. And I totally feel like... Um, you took something that was a very dark time in 2020 and you already came up with this idea prior to that, but you honed in on something that was a silver lining that, you know, you can use this time to either focus on the tragedies or focus on the difficulties that we're, we're facing, or you can use this time to say, how can I shift my perspective? How can I learn from this? And, and how can I reroute? And that's definitely um, a skill set that most veterans have. And that's what I've noticed, like, you know, looking forward into your future with this company the next year, five years, 10 years, you know, how, how do you use your Marine Corps skills, your values as a veteran um, moving Moving forward and where do you see yourself and that's what i think you said the key word which is uh values mm-hmm. um i i see there's an opportunity to like reset and uh, reimagine and uh, reshape the future um, based on the, these values and i really believe that uh it's going to challenge the status quo of the travel industry um i think the the travel industry is ripe for uh disruption not just technologically but uh, for um, business model wise, um, there's uh, a lot of there's the same business model that's been going uh, in, especially in the online travel agency uh, sector, where it's just a commission based model where you come into my platform, you book here and I take the commission for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a lot of uh, stakeholders that are that are, that are not being uh, accounted for. And I think uh, that's where um, the disruption can be um, be taken into account, um, and that doing good um, is going to be the new cool. Um, that's the way that I that I see it, and I think that in the travel industry is a great way for someone to 
express how they're cool, especially these days. That's like the virtue signaling. Uh, that's how Instagram even got, uh, you know, biggest that people were traveling and doing cool things and showcasing it. Yeah. And what they were showcasing is all the things that they did for themselves. Like, look at this cool uh, piece of uh, food art that I'm eating or whatever, right? But now I think what's going to, the transition is going to be where we're talking about values is that, okay, it's not about what I'm eating. It's about what I'm doing to help other people eat, right? I think it's like people are now going to start having this sense of service and want to have like this social positive impact and not um, just in the communities around them, but globally. And I think that's what's really going to fuel um, the industry in the future is uh, people's uh, change in sense of values um, and not just themselves, but um, in the greater um, communities around them. Yeah. I love that. Adam, where can people find you online? Where can people find the business online? Yeah, um, well, we have revolverlife.com um, right now. It's R-E-B-O-L-V-E-R-L-I-F-E.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, Adam Weiss. Uh, uh, yeah, you can type in Adam Weiss, uh, Revolver Life. I'm there too. Um, and that's the main main uh, channels right now. You can yeah. email me at Adam dot w e i s s weiss um at the revolver life.com um and yeah i'll be very responsive um and i'm looking forward to hearing whoever wants to come talk to me what the future of the industry i love it i it's been great to get get to know you and your business congratulations and all the progress you've made and uh would love to have you on again sometime yeah definitely um we're looking to launch uh some because right now we're working with uh, General Assembly, I just made a partnership yeah. with them, yeah, yeah. and we we have a uh, uh, an agreement where I'm going to be working with their software engineering immersive graduates to help us uh, build out the the product. So, Very cool. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll, once we're done, I would love to come back and talk to you about it. That would be wonderful. Uh, I appreciate your time and and uh, take care, huh? All right, thank you guys, Cynthia. It's been a great week, right? It has. It's been an awesome week. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast right here on the Startup Radio Network. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.